1: Hello, folks. Welcome back to Inclusive Collective, where we share stories and learnings of inclusive people, organizations, and innovations. I am your co host, Nadia Butt. I'm an organizational development and belonging strategist. And I am joined by my lovely and favorite co host, Rob Hadley,
2: wow.
1: a people and culture strategist specializing in DEI and people analytics. Hello, Rob. Welcome back.
2: Nadia, happy 2023! We did it.
1: Happy 2023! We did do it. We did.
2: We made it through the holiday season, the New Year. We took three weeks off. We're so refreshed, right?
1: Yes. Oh my <laughs> God. I I feel like I, did you not need that time or what?
2: I definitely needed that time. I did want to ask you. That was one of the questions I had for you. is how's your energy as you start 2023? Because I've heard from a lot of people they're just. Really struggling to get going in the early part of January here.
1: Yeah, I believe that. You know why I think it was weird this year? Because, like, Christmas was on a Sunday. Then we had that Monday off as, like, the religious, you know, observance. Then New Year's Eve fell on a Sunday. So we had that Monday off as observance for New Year's. And then I feel like the rest of the week was sort of just like, Meh. Um. <laughs> You like some people kinda got back to work, but it was a struggle. And then yeah, I feel like it just I, I don't know if people are still burnt out, but yeah, it was a struggle to get back into the I don't new know year. either,
2: but I've heard f- from so many people. And I think you're right. I think it was the timing a little bit. But uh yeah. So any 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 big news? Did you get any any nice gifts over the holiday season? Like anything that you um, liked or were happy about?
1: No gifts. I mean a lot of friends and family got COVID. So <laughs>
2: Yeah. So that was
1: a lovely gift, but Yeah, we got that. Yeah, too, the yeah. number skyrocket. Yeah, did you get that too, it skyrocketed? <laughs> um no, but you know what? I started looking at cars because mine's dying. Oh. Um So it was just online. I didn't well, like go test drive anything, but I was online looking.
2: I think we're going to get into that when we when we uh do our episode here today. I think we may oh. may get into some some of the things related to uh to car buying, but well, let's get to it. So let's talk about, we're kicking off our new season or just starting again after a little bit of a break. We're both pumped and refreshed. And yes. today we're going to do predictions for 2023 yes. in the world of workplace culture and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Before we get to that, I did want to talk about one particular news story because it is in that theme of predictions you know we usually do the Mm -hmm. deets but so one thing uh you know i did see a headline that ceos predict a shallow recession uh it was a survey from the conference board uh reported in the wall street journal i dug into it and it looks like that 98 percent of ceos surveyed expect a mild recession and you know what that means right nadia
1: what does that mean hold on
2: to your hats we're all gonna die right like
1: (laughs) oh boy (laughs) so dramatic Rob.
2: No, I mean these are the, like when CEOs are unanimously agreed that it's going to be a mild recession. I mean, I think about CEOs are the most lied to people in the world, right? Like they, they ask their teams, they say, "Hey, how's it, are we going to have a bad recession?" And the team says, "No, no, boss, everything's going to be fine," right? So, you know, it also speaks to the fact that companies like Amazon and Salesforce, at, over the course of the last few weeks, they had these dramatic cuts in their workforce, mm-hmm. uh, even though they have huge cash reserves and we know that they think it's still just going to be a mild recession, but they really did cut to the bone in the way that they 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 laid people off, and so you know they're still taking a big hatchet to their workforce. So I found that very interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm curious is it is it just tech? Is it just a tech world, or like, is it happening in like like financial services? Like, where well, the- where do you think it's
2: well, last week, Goldman Sachs announced their mm-hmm. three to 4,000 person layoffs as well. I think it starts to trickle down. I think that tech is a leading indicator in this lead, case because sure. they were the ones that, that staffed up so aggressively uh, sure. you know, in the last couple of years. So you start to see it trickle into other sectors as well. But yeah, 98% of CEOs uh, don't think it's going to be that bad, but they're still taking steps to reduce their workforce, which is very interesting.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting.
2: So that was so, that was that was the one thing I wanted to get to was the was CEO predictions before we go into our own predictions. Let's do a few. Let's go back and forth. Each of us have have come up with our top three predictions for twenty twenty three. It feels like 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 I said the way that uh, this year is going. It feels like we're halfway through twenty twenty three. I, I wrote some of mine and <laughs> yeah. at the end of last year what I was going to talk about today and just feels like the year's half over. We should be doing our reflection edition at this point, but. Uh, yeah. let's let's see what you got. Let's I'm going to have you let's lead see, it right. off. Yeah. Number one. So,
1: and just and just to let everybody know, we didn't run this by each other. So, these are going to no. be kind of fun to share and get reflections from each other. I might not have anything to add. Yeah. Uh, maybe. to what Rob has to say, but <laughs> All right. So, I'm going to start off. A lot many of the trends that I'm seeing are personal things that I'm seeing um and then just through conversation. So, the first mm-hmm. is companies will start to evaluate Uh, employee resource group effectiveness. Mm. And so what I mean by that is many organizations have implemented employee resource groups. For those that may not know, some people call them um, employee affinity groups or employee network groups. Uh, But basically, with the implementation of these groups, this includes maybe resources, budget, time allocation, talent, sponsorship or sponsors, right? And so At some point, stakeholders will want to understand the effectiveness of these groups. Leaders are going to start asking the questions. They're they're going to start asking, like, what are these groups doing to align to business objectives and priorities? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, is it helping in solving the problem like recruitment or retention? Has it helped in career development? Things like that. And so... I guess, without providing too much suggestions around how to solve, like how to actually track some of that, I have some thoughts that I can share later. But curious, are you seeing this as well in terms of evaluating um, employee resource group effectiveness?
2: I think what I've seen over the last several years is a difficulty in in evaluating the effectiveness of these particular groups. And, you know, it starts with the fact that Companies want to be inclusive, so therefore they want to invite everyone to participate. And sometimes it's difficult to track who's even a member of a particular affinity group. And yeah, therefore sure. it makes it difficult to see uh, or measure any differences in how those are the engagement or any kind of attachment to the organization of those particular employees versus mm-hmm. anyone who's, who's not there. So that's the first problem is just even understanding who's in the affinity group and who's did in the affinity group, and sure. then what that translates to in terms of business results. So it's just really hard to yeah. do, and, and that's something that, that, that companies are definitely struggling with.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think of, like, it's not just – yeah, you bring such a p- good point. Like, it, it's employee participation, membership, but it's also, like, think of all the last few years, how many events are put on, uh, mentorship programs that have been developed through it. There's all of this stuff, and you're right, it's so hard to track. And then and so measure, track and then also aligning it back to the business priorities, like you said, and, and um, what that ultimately means to the organization. So I would like to say or encourage people who are, you know, leaders of um, ERGs to start to think about what that measurement and tracking process looks for you. If you haven't thought about it yet, um, think about, you know, ERGs as a solution. So like what problem were you trying to solve for and is that being met um so just just something to think about and consider
2: i love it i love it yeah great one to kick us off here yeah yeah. let's talk about let's talk about uh inflation support is is my prediction and so this goes back to you wanting to purchase a car i i don't envy anyone that wants to purchase a car right now it's very yeah i know uh,
1: (laughs) i'm i'm literally (laughs) waiting for the the crv to die over here like fully (laughs)
2: This came to me. So this thought came to me. I was sent out on an errand uh, to go to the store, and I noticed that the Luna Bars, you know, you're familiar with the Luna Bar?
0: I am, not yes. Yep,
2: yeah, yep. the Luna Bars. They were, they were a full dollar more than they were at this time last year, right? So like okay. Luna Bars, topping out at over $2 for me. And wow. I know that the cost of producing a Luna Bar have not gone up 100% over the last year. I, could, I know that for an absolute fact. Average inflation. Wait, how
1: do you know that? It's just like well, because something you've researched. So that's a
2: 100% increase. Uh, average inflation has gone up 8 to 9% over the last 20, 24 months. Okay. And did you know, Nadia, that corporate profit taking is one of the main drivers of inflation as companies pass their increased cost onto consumers? Uh, okay. In fact, in the third quarter of last year, which we have data for, companies recorded record profits while many of their workers and their families struggled as mm-hmm. you know. So, so I really think that what you'll have to see this year, what I expect to see is companies start to think about how they can reinvest those record profits in their employees in an effort to keep, especially frontline workers uh, from fraying at the edges, right? And so start to figure out how they can support their workforces. I think that in 2023, companies will have to get proactive, creative, mm-hmm. and thinking about mm. what kind of financial support employees need. You know, another high year of inflation cannot be met with 4% salary increases, right? Yeah. Um, in Cost addition of to living stipends. Yeah. So, all yeah. these different things that companies will need to start thinking about how they can do the stipends, think about other ways to support families, daycare, education assistance. This is where flexibility becomes really important, as we talked about a lot last year. So, perhaps a company uh-huh. doesn't want to offer childcare services, doesn't have the means to do it, but they can give, especially frontline workers, uh, flexibility, which they may not have had previously in their schedule sure. so that they don't have to pay for an extra day of childcare. Um, and so, I think that mm-hmm. you'll start to see companies get a lot more uh, creative and flexible if they don't want uh, 2023 to be the year of of unionization, right? So mm-hmm. that's uh, oh, interesting. So I think yeah. so. I think that that's something they need to, to be looking at very, very hard right now.
1: Does inflation support kind of show up in different ways like an end of the year bonus or like a retention bonus or something like that? can it?
2: I, oh for sure for sure. I think okay. that that's it, it just needs to be evaluated holistically and mm-hmm. I, like I said I think that companies will need to be a little bit more creative because I think you'll start to see workers really you know like like I said, uh, companies are doing really well right now. they don't expect mm-hmm. to see a big drop in uh, corporate profits through a recession this year. So they need to start to invest some of those corporate profits in their workforce unless they want us to see see more and more unionization. Sure.
1: All right, Uh, folks, we'll be right back with our 20, the rest of our 2023 trends after this break.
3: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of IC terms and conditions apply.
2: All right, welcome back. Nadia and I are looking into our crystal ball and making predictions for the rest of 2023. Nadia, what do you yes. got for us? Number, number three on our predictions list.
1: Number three on our predictions list. So um, one-off trainings are going to die. <laughs> and I do think strategy becomes the norm. So over the past few years, we've been kind of observing organizations do training after training after training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think last year, the organizations were starting to recognize that training's not going to, like, move the needle as much as they want mm-hmm. in terms of, like, a behavioral shift. So what I'm starting to see and what I predict is that these leaders are start, are wanting to have more of a strategy around diversity, equity, inclusion versus kind of these one-off trainings. And so they're wanting to see like a roadmap of how to thoughtfully embed inclusive competencies into everyday talent management practices. Um, so I think it's going to be, interesting to see what organizations make the commitment to not only developing a thoughtful strategy and approach, mm-hmm. but also really to follow through on that approach, because that obviously is a huge commitment and really, you know, being to be intentional about it is something that I think folks will have to commit to. So I'll pause there. Well, I,
2: I hope you're right. I hope it's a, a big year for strategy. And you know what? You know what helps you build a strategy that's effective? Yeah,
1: what it would help. It's build?
2: deeply understanding where you are and what your organization looks like, what your workforce looks like, uh, and setting objectives and very clearly laying out where you want to be going forward and mm-hmm. using data to do that. So uh, I hope yeah. I hope that you're right, and I think that's the case. I I actually heard anecdotally that people that just do. Uh, trainings are are struggling to to win business in the early part of 2023 and at the end of, at the end of last year as well as companies mm-hmm. start to look for a more comprehensive and robust strategy around diversity, equity, inclusion. So I hope you're right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Me too. <laughs> All right, Rob. What's your what's what's the fourth you prediction? Know, I always mm.
2: I always double I always double dip on these things. Right? Okay. I are going to gonna get, say double down. I was so trying to double dip. I was, oh, I double down too. That's okay. A, yeah. Two for one on trend. Something I hear a lot of is a concern that DEI budgets will be trimmed as the economy pulls mm. back and budgets tighten. the same yeah. time, you see a lot of trend lists show that HR will continue to digitize and that the growth, uh, you know, there will be continued growth in analytics to help HR leaders and business leaders make decisions around people. However, sure. those two things don't work together. There is ah, never tell me more about this. There has yeah. never. Been a time in my career on any project where I worked on that that an organization invested in better metrics and a greater transparency around diversity, equity, inclusion in their workforce, where the result was not a greater investment in diversity, equity, inclusion. Right. So, I have never dug into a company's DEI data and walked away and said, "Hey, everything's working great. There's really nothing to improve here. Uh, You, you all are, are doing really well. There's, you know, our work is done." So. And I would invite anyone who's familiar with the DEI and HR data uh, to provide an example to the contrary. So my prediction is that DEI budgets will stay flat to increase slightly, uh, even though the economy slows.
1: Interesting. Yeah. OK. I, yeah, I could I could see that happening. What came to my mind was like capturing sentiment in, um, versus just pure analytics of like the data of. So yeah, okay. Well, those two things work.
2: Those two things work together, right? So there's, they work hand so, in hand. Yeah. So I I think that organizations oftentimes do a pretty decent job at understanding sentiment, and don't necessarily see that they have a lot of great operational data that can be used to develop and build a DEI strategy. And Which those is, two things work very well together.
1: Yeah, they do. Okay, I've I've run into some companies in the couple last couple of months that don't have good. Um, sentiment data. So, what would you, what would you recommend to an organization to capture that?
2: Well, both quantitative and qualitative methods of capturing sentiment data, doing a really good, thorough uh, assessment of the factors associated with diversity, equity, inclusion in organizations. So, a comprehensive survey, mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously there's the option of interviews, focus groups, and and, focus and groups, like, yeah, and then pulling those Absolutely. things together.
1: Okay, very good. Should we go to my?
2: Let's which do would it. Be our fifth? What's the? Okay. There should be a. There should be a prize for who who gets the most, right? So we we'll have to we'll have to put a pin in these.
1: I know. Actually, we should do that. Yeah, yeah we'll capture that by the end of the year. Okay, like that. Um, so my third prediction here is that measurement will start to align to key performance indicators and performance evaluations. So I we're already starting to see this at least through the work that I through the work that that I'm doing, I feel like um, I'm starting to see where diversity, equity, inclusion behaviors and competencies are really starting to be embedded and aligned to key performance indicators. I also like to consider them to be key behavior indicators Mm -hmm. um, and then also embedded into performance evaluations. So when this is done and done nicely, they are behavioral competencies that are aligned to things like organizational values and guiding principles and part of the talent management behavioral framework. And oftentimes, companies don't have a behavioral framework in terms of what, are, what is expected of folks in terms of how they behave. Once it's done, it's made nicely, then what can happen is that can be embedded into performance evaluations, performance coaching, and performance feedback. Um, And it kind of works really nicely as a system, Uh, Mm -hmm. but we can get to that at at a later episode. Uh, So I really, uh, I have hope that that measurement will start to really be, folks will start to be held accountable through the performance evaluations and Mm -hmm. through leveraging key performance indicators that are behavioral. What are your thoughts?
2: Awesome. Yeah, I've I've been for several years Working on or you know various projects around trying to understand behaviors uh, and trying to measure behaviors. So what you're seeing, just to clarify, you're seeing more companies measure behavior change and or build, thinking and about build, it. I wouldn't say thinking because that's hard it. to do. And then uh, measure something with with regard to behaviors or capabilities around diversity equity, and inclusion and then build that into performance evaluations uh, and tie things like compensation to those those measurements?
1: Compensation or performance review. So whether that's, you know, because I think compensation comes after the fact, but absolutely it's tied to maybe your rating at the end of the year or um, just performance coaching in general. And so I haven't actually seen it formally done where it is tied to performance uh, to compensation Mm -hmm. it would be interesting to have maybe someone one of our listeners can maybe like call in and let us know how they've observed that in their workplace if that happens but I have started to hear the conversations occurring um, where people are starting to think in that manner where I feel like a year ago two years ago it that was not the conversation. The conversation is,, yep. have you had this training? <laughs> right? Like <laughs> did you go to this training and no application whatsoever? No behavioral understanding, and yeah. then, you know, an expectation that people change. So know, right. it's, yeah. so I think if anything, it's more of a conversation. i don't I don't predict that companies by the end of this year will have a a robust, Program related to it, but I think the conversation is starting to happen, and you know, um so we'll see. Change does not happen overnight, all right so we we should see uh, by the end of the year where folks are with that.
2: Okay, I'm excited. I'm hoping that this is. a I hope it's something that I get to work on personally over the course of the year. Yeah. More data is better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, More data maybe data. not, maybe not. But that really feeds into my last and final prediction, um, yes. and that's so. So, Nadia, this is called Battle of the Robots, right? So. Um, one of the movies that i watched over the course of the holiday break was bill and ted's bogus journey are you familiar with this movie
1: like the old like the 80s 90s
2: It's probably like late 80s early 90s something like that yeah
1: okay yeah totally
2: you you remember okay so in it it, just a recap was in it keanu reeves and so uh, and you know not to get too deep into the plot because but there's not much depth of the plot anyway so but a, a bad guy from the future builds two robot Bill and Ted's, who Bill and Ted call the evil usses, and sends them back to the present day to kill Bill and Ted, who then build their own robots, who they call the good robot usses, to kill the evil robots. Which brings us to GPT. Yes. Okay? So, Nadia, I think this entire year... All we'll be talking about in, in the business world is coming to terms with the power of AI-powered chatbots, how we use the technology effectively, and how to mitigate their impact in HR and DEI as well. So th- these fields will be no different. Let me give you an example. I was recently talking to someone who said that their company, their managers were using chatbots to write annual reviews for their employees.
3: So instead that. of going yeah. through
2: the process of writing out several reviews, managers would put in a couple bullet points. They would put in some other things, reviews that they had done previously, and voila, the chatbot would spit out an annual review written in in their voice. So, um, wow. And then on the other hand, there's another project that I'm working on, where a company I'm working to build out an equitable and impactful performance review uh, process. And one of the things that you might do if you're doing in doing something like that is look at the current review process, look at the evaluations do some text analysis, try to understand where there's bias in that review process. You're looking at the way that the reviews are written. And -hmm. so you just have to think through all these scenarios. If a manager is using a chatbot to write reviews, right? Like I can't then use that text in order to analyze if there's bias in their process. And then the second thing is anytime a chatbot is being used in any of these people processes, we have to ask ourselves, is it, you know, is there any value in that process to start with, right? Like mm-hmm. in that case of annual reviews, is the performance evaluation, of, or the act of writing reviews, is it just administratively burdensome yeah. to the point where it's worthless? Like, it. So it doesn't the value necessarily add value, right. right? And so, as we say, the conversation between two people is the important thing in annual reviews. Then, you know, then then is that what should you know annual review should center on? If that's the case, should I should we be recording them and analyzing them, right? And 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 starting to understand what's happening there. So, should your one on ones be recorded and analyzed? I don't know because just the, the use of these chat bots and as it starts to emerge in the HR space could be a signal that we need to really rethink the value of, of entire processes.
1: Yeah. That same conversation, Rob, is having uh, is being had in the academic world where papers are being writ- written right. by. Of course. That, what is it called? Chat GPT. Um, Yeah, chat GBT, and um, my chair and I wanted to test it out with my dissertation, and she asked the chat GBT my problem of practice, which is like a research question, and what it gave back was so interesting. Literally, it was as if it wrote my paper for me. It was wild. Um, So this is, yeah, it's really interesting, and uh, I, I will be curious to see what happens at the end of the year with this for sure.
2: Yeah. And there's, and, and we speak so much to founders and investors and you'll all see, so you're also starting to see tons of uh, money pouring into what the applications of this can be um, mm-hmm. and, and, and funding startups that can harness the power of, of AI to, you know, for, for, for whatever benefit in whatever industry. And so it'll be interesting to see, you'll start to see some of these applications in the HR and and DEI space as well. And so, I don't have a prediction of what they will be, Um, but if you start to see it show up, again, that's a signal that maybe what we're doing doesn't necessarily add value.
1: Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Very good, Rob. Um, Well, let's go ahead and take a break here. We will be back with our rants and raves. Hey, folks, welcome back to the rant rave section i believe rob we're just going to do raves today because it's 20 it's the beginning of 2023 let's kick this year off on a positive note how do you feel about that
2: i like it i like it double raves maybe maybe we just double do rave. double raves i'm sure there will be things to rant about over the course of the year but uh so first rave for me of this of the uh, of the year nadia i want to rave mm-hmm. about us i want to i want to give a huh. give ourselves a shout out
3: a uh, we shout posted out? Okay. an
2: article on linkedin we posted this five ways DEI is essential to startup success. And if you haven't read it already, go ahead and check it out. It is a, a, a short compilation of some of the key themes that emerged over the course of our very first season here on Inclusive Collective, where we spoke to a lot of uh, founders and investors. We spoke about the startup and uh, venture capital world, had some amazing guests. And uh, they helped us walk through how diversity and inclusion Fits or applies to every stage of startup maturity. And, uh, you know, so we just tried to distill that in a quick article and uh, came out really well. And I and, uh, think everyone should check it out.
1: It's it's located on LinkedIn. Um, so Our LinkedIn absolutely page. Absolutely, go ahead. Our LinkedIn page, Inclusive Collective LinkedIn page. So definitely take a peek at it. Um, and let us know what you think or reshare it if you liked it. So, and I will end our the double rave here on the celebration and observance of Martin Luther King Day. So our episode released today, January 16th, which is also MLK uh, Junior Day. Just remembering him and other social activists um, that are continuing to do and push forward the unfinished work to redeem the soul of America.
2: Well said, Nadia.
1: Thank you. So, um Actually, I don't know how you observe it, but I'm actually I'm in, I'm in Washington D.C. and really hoping to head over to the MLK Memorial. Yeah,
2: are you going to be able to do that?
1: I hope so. Yeah, hoping it's not raining, so maybe I'll post that picture.
2: Yeah, please please do. Please do. Yeah, I hope everyone has a has a great uh day off and and really has the opportunity to reflect on uh the life and legacy of Dr. King.
3: Absolutely. All right.
2: All right, Nadia. Inclusive Collective is a production of Rafilion Media. We would love to hear from you. Please send us your feedback at Collective at refilion.com. You can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch with us for consulting, check out Nadia at nazconsultants.com and rob at tecanoconsulting.com. Get ready for some amazing guests in 2023. I'll see you next week, Nadia.
1: See you, Be well.